Well, good move. Well, good morning, everybody. We're glad to have you here. Uh, my name is Rich Schmidt. If I haven't met you, especially those of you who might be uh, checking us out online, we're glad you're here too. And uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that's true. We believe that the Lord meets us here as we gather together to worship him, as we uh, do our best to bring all of the stuff of life uh, to him. Uh, he's already here, ready to, to receive that, whether it's us thanking him for something or whether it's us crying out for help. He, he meets us right in the messy reality that we live in. Uh, so let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. God, thank you. Thank you for meeting us here. Thank you that we don't have to wonder if today is a good day for you, if today you'll be paying attention or if today you love us or not. Uh, we can be confident today in your love and in your presence here, confident in your grace that you have for each and every one of us, for all that we go through. God, help us today in all that we do during this hour uh, to be able to center our hearts and our thoughts on you, to be able to offer to you all that we uh, carry with us into this time and, into this, and in this place. Um, help us to be open to what you want to do in us, what you want to say to us, whatever that may be. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so a couple things are different today. Uh, some of you have noticed there's this big uh, horse trough in front. That's because somebody who uh, is normally at the 1030 service is getting baptized today. And uh, she uh, volunteered to get baptized like at 1015 in between the services. So if you want to stick around after the service uh, to see Amy get baptized, you can. All right? Uh, we'd love to have you here to celebrate uh, that, that sacrament with, uh, with her, with all of us. And uh, you also might notice that there are no band members behind me. Uh, <clears throat> this is one of those Sundays where we bumped into like, okay, they're out of town, they're unavailable. Oh, okay, these guys are going to lead. And then they get sick. And, uh, and I, I get on the phone to the, the usual suspects, the people who are like, oh, I bet they could come. And uh, nope, none of them are available. So this is one of those days we get to uh, do the first part of our service. Normally we'd sing for... I don't know, 15 minutes or so. And uh, instead of singing our thanks and praise to God, we're going to offer our thanks and praise in other ways. All right? So we've got some scriptures we're going to read together. And then, just to warn you, you're going to be invited to gather around a table and to talk to some people for a few minutes and pray for each other for a few minutes. All right? I'm warning you now in case you need to, like, steal yourself for that. I know some of you are like, yes, I love it whenever we have one of these no music Sundays because we do these from time to time. Others of you are like, Oh, man, if I'd known, I would have, like, waited and shown up, at, you know, 20 minutes from now because you just don't really want to have a conversation with anybody. That's okay. No one's going to force you to talk about anything you don't want to talk about. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll give you some direction when that time comes, but it can be as involved or not involved as you want it to be, okay? Uh, so uh, to get us started, we've got a couple different scriptures that I want us to read together. Uh, the first comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, which uh, you've got the little map of the book of Romans on your tables because today, uh, for the month of October, we are going to start taking a journey through uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, and that's my message later will be from that book. Uh, you don't have to look at the map now. I was just letting you know that's what that is on your table. That big placemat-looking thing uh, is, a, is just a map of the Book of Romans. We're not even watching that video today. You guys know the Bible Project has great videos. You can check that out later. It's in two parts because there's so much of it. Uh, but, uh, but we are going to read together something from Romans chapter 8. Uh, it's a part of his letter where Paul is he's just talking about like the love of God and how unstoppable it is. Um, can, can we read this out loud together uh, off the screen? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us 
if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is, uh, this is the truth of Scripture. And sometimes we need to see that, to say that, because man, when we go through it, it can feel like, like man, where did the love of God just go? You know, um, you go through some of the stuff that we just talked about. It reminds me of uh, uh, the marriage stuff, you know, the, the for better or worse, richer for poorer. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we're going to be marrying uh, these two right over here, these two lovebirds uh, in between the services. And we'll talk more about that later. But I was just meeting with them this last week and going over again the vows they're going to make to each other. And uh, all the difficult, the good or the bad, these verses are saying, look, it doesn't matter. We go through all these things. It doesn't separate us from Christ's love. It doesn't separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. But I know that can be tricky for us. I know sometimes we don't feel his peace. I always uh, turn to this, uh, these two verses from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Can we read these together too? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I don't know if you caught, there are two things he says at the beginning. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. I like to start with the good stuff. I like to start with the thanks part, okay? So here's where you get to talk to each other for just a few minutes. Uh, I would like you to look around. And if you're at a table with just like two of you or one of you, which several of you are, I need you to find another person to like buddy up with or another table with a couple of people because you got to have at least three, all right? So anywhere between three and like five people is enough because here's what I want you to do. When you get there, somebody, get, somebody start you off and just say, hey, my name is whatever. You're wearing a name tag, so that makes it easy. Say, my name's Rich, and today I'm thankful for and just something you're thankful for, okay? And you're not going to take a long time, just like, I don't know, two minutes to go around and share something you're thankful for. Let's do it. I think that should be long enough. You've all had a chance to say what you're thankful for and introduce yourself to somebody at the table. Who, who had something they want to share with the rest, of the rest of the crowd that you're thankful for? Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Debbie. I don't know if you got all here. She was just thankful for Lori Mullet, who brought her here. Lori's on vacation, I think, right now on some fantastic trip. But yeah, thankful that she brought you here to this church. I'm, I'm glad she did, too. Anybody else want to share like something that you were thankful for? Just want to share with the rest of the crew? Yeah, then. <laughs> That's right. Lynn's thankful there's a church next to where she lives. She lives next door to Caroline's place. Makes it really convenient. Yeah. I know we were both thankful for our jobs as I was talking to Becca back there. She's starting a new job. You can ask her about it later if you want to. And I was just thankful that I get to do this for my job. That I get to be a pastor and baptize people and marry people and all the rest. Anybody else, something that you're thankful for that you just want to share with the rest of the crowd? <laughs> 
If you're watching online, shoot us something in the comments. Tell us what you're thankful for too. Don't, don't be left out of this. Yeah. Very cool, Debbie. Thank you. Yeah. If you didn't, couldn't hear, her passion is writing and she's thankful that she gets a chance to do that. After work, on the weekend, she gets to write, write to people about Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. So, let, oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, Cindy, she's letting you go next. What are you thankful for? for helping me out. Oh. Thanks. I, I held the microphone. I thought you might say that, so that's why I gave you the microphone. No, just kidding. No, I'm, I'm thankful to be your pastor, Cindy. Yeah. Yeah, Jackie. Oh, very cool. All right. Yeah, thankful for reconnections to family. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. When those have been missing, it hurts, and it's great to have those connections remade. Is, is there anybody over here thankful for anything? I think, is it all come from over here? Somebody on this side thankful for, yeah, Romeo. Is growing. What's that? The youth group is growing. We're, we're, get, nice. we're getting some more people in. It's awesome. Very cool. That's been, that's been awesome. Nice. Yeah. Romeo's our youth director. If you haven't met him yet, uh, you can talk to him after. Yeah. So, all right. Cool. Um, all right. Now, here's the part that might be a little trickier. All right. So, I want you to turn back to those folks. And what do we say? What do those verses say? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Uh, then you'll experience God's peace. So this is the, the tell God what you need part. And it's an invitation to share that with someone else uh, so that they can pray for you, all right? And maybe they'll pray a real quick five-second prayer asking God to help you right now, or maybe they'll just say, you know, I'm going to be praying for you this week. But if there is something going on in your life that you're like, you know what, I really could use some prayer. Uh, this is something I need. It's something, maybe it's something you've been worried about. And you're like, you know, I need to talk to God about that. This is, this is bugging me. So go ahead and take... We're not going to take long, okay, but three to five minutes, all right, to just share, you know what, yeah, there is something. If you're going to pray for me, ask God to do this, all right? Let's do it. Okay, I got maybe 30 more seconds. If, if, you're, if somebody's wanting to say a quick prayer, now's the time. All right, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to like, hey, share with the rest of the room this thing that you just shared. Um, but I would love to just pray for us uh, real quick and ask God to be at work in all the different scenarios that you guys just mentioned, okay? So let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, thank you for being the God who meets us here. As we said at the beginning, uh, you're the God who uh, walks with us through all those difficulties of life, all the things we've read about from Romans chapter 8, God. Uh, you are with us through the danger, through the difficulties, through the, those things that worry us, those things that we need from you. Uh, God, some folks today, just now, we're, we're willing to open up and to share something uh, with some people around the table. <laughs> Maybe people they don't know that well even, uh, but they were willing to share it. God, I pray that you would be at work in every one of those scenarios, every situation, God, where your grace is needed, where your wisdom is needed, where your comfort, uh, your, your healing your peace, your joy, uh, your help in all those various forms that it takes. God, we, we pray that you would uh, be at work in ways that are noticeable, in ways that cause us to stop <laughs> and take notice and give you thanks uh, for hearing and answering our prayers. Uh, God, we thank you that uh, all the different stuff that goes on in our lives, uh, where sometimes it feels like maybe we have been cut off from your love, uh, Thank you again for the truth of Romans chapter 8 that reminds us that nothing can ever separate us from your love that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
It's in Jesus that we see that, uh, that you are willing to enter right into the midst of our brokenness and pain. You're, you're willing to, you, don't, you don't keep your distance, God, but you're willing to step right into the middle of it to bring your light to our darkness, your healing to our brokenness, uh, your peace to our, our turmoil. And the storms of life are raging. Uh, Jesus, you stand up and you say, peace, be still, and you speak peace over our lives. And God, we are grateful for that. Help us to experience that peace. Help us to experience your presence. Uh, God, for some of us, the things that worry us aren't the things that are happening right here at home, but the things happening to family, to friends. It's the things that worry us more like the, the circumstances in our state or our nation or our world. And we see things on the news or things come across our, our social media feed or we hear about things from, from people who live in other places and we think, oh God, please, would you, would you help? Would you be present there? God, you know right now we're thinking of numerous different situations, uh, family that is, uh, that is distant, that lives in distant places, uh, other nations where violence is still taking place, where, where they're in the midst of war or other forms of violence that are, that are going on. Uh, God, some of us are just aware of very real needs of our neighbors, whether close to home or in other places, where there are people without homes, people who are displaced, people who are living as refugees, all sorts of folks, God, who right now, today, while we're comfortably seated here in this room, uh, they are very uncomfortable. They're not sure where the next meal is going to come from. They're not sure how safe they're going to be tonight. God, we pray that you will make your grace and your presence and your peace known to them. Pray that you will provide for them uh, through your children that you will open up the, the, I don't know, the generosity, uh, open up the hearts uh, of your people here and around the world. Thank you, God. Thank you for the ways that you work, uh, that when people cry out to you for help, uh, you, are, you hear it, and you come down to rescue, usually through us. <laughs> usually by tapping someone on the shoulder and saying, hey, I need you to serve this person. Hey, I need you to love this person. Hey, I need you to give to this need. So God, when it's us in need, would you help us to be open to you and to each other uh, to reach out for help? And God, when you tap us on the shoulder, would you help us to be open uh, to saying yes to you and to helping be an answer to someone's prayers, to allow the grace that you have given us to flow through us to bless someone else? God, you are so good. Uh, help us today, uh, I pray once again, to be open to whatever it is you want to say to us, whatever it is you want to do. And as we have lifted up to you both our thanks and our needs, God, we pray that you would help us to experience that peace that you promise. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I think, do we have the little greeting up there, the, the, the passing of the peace? Yeah, the peace of the Lord be with you. All right, thanks. Now I would invite you to stand up and go greet someone that maybe wasn't sitting at your table. Shake their hand. Maybe you say, peace of Christ to you. Or you just say, happy Sunday. Or you say, that was weird. Or whatever you want to say. All right. All right. Let's see. I hope everybody got one of these when you came in. A little, uh, little handout, a little bulletin. If not, I know I saw some more out there in the lobby. Uh, 
But uh, if any of you end up grabbing one out there, bring, bring a few more back in here uh, for anybody else who might need one. But I just want to mention on the back there are three different things coming up that you might want to be aware of. Well, the first one's not coming up. The first one's ending today. It's the uh, last call for used bras. Today is your last chance. So if you didn't bring them, sorry, you got to find someplace else to take them. Uh, Free the Girls, that nonprofit we've been sending them to, has found uh, other more effective ways to help women escape from sex trafficking and establish their financial independence in the different countries they're working with. If you would like to be a part of that or would like to learn more, you can go to freethegirls.org. And, uh, and then there, there may still be, just so you know, they're not collecting them anymore, but there are still some places where the bras are very useful and are still uh, impactful. And the church where these are all warehoused is just up the street in Chesterton. And so we still may hear about it from time to time. You may still be invited to like a bra packing party sometime if you want to help pack them in the, in the boxes and put on the pallets and get ready to be shipped off. But we're just not collecting them anymore. And then Tuesday, there's a, a women's Bible study. It's just seven weeks long. That's going to be starting here Tuesday afternoons at 1.30. If any of you ladies would like to be a part of that, it's not too late. Just let us know. And um, my mom actually is the one that's leading that. If you know her, you can, you can grab her uh, later today. Or uh, you can just let us know you'd like to be there. Uh, or just show up Tuesday, I guess, at 1.30. And uh, if she doesn't have enough books, she'll order you a new one right then. And then uh, next week, several of you have been asking me about this. So next week uh, is Ryan and Allison's wedding. And uh, it's going to be in between the services, kind of like this baptism is going to be today. Uh, but instead of a baptism tank next week, it's going to be uh, me standing up here helping Ryan and, and Allison exchange some vows together. So we would love for you to be a part of that, to stick around after the service, uh, after the 9 o'clock service for that wedding. Or if you're, if you're coming at 1030, come early. I'll remind them. And then what we'd like to do is a little carry-in lunch for them after that second service. So just a couple weeks ago, we had our uh, birthday party, and a bunch of you guys brought great food. If you'd like to bring stuff with you, that'd be fantastic. Um, just let us know what you're planning to bring. All right, the church is going to order some chicken. We've got a volunteer already who's going to make a little, little small wedding cake. And... Uh, and we'll have the drinks and everything. But if you'd like to bring a side or a dessert, I know one person said they're going to make those little slider sandwiches again that, uh, that she made last time. And, and uh, I can't remember. A couple different people were telling me what they were bringing this morning. But uh, just let us know. Write it, on a, like write it on a little green card back there if you want to. That's what I didn't mention. If there's somebody who can pray for you or thank God with you, maybe you shared something at your table, uh, you can either do that online at livinghope.info slash connect. Or you can grab one of those little green cards back there and jot it on there and drop it in the box. If you're giving, you can drop that in there. You can give online. Um, let us know what you're bringing, okay? And that way we'll know, like, oh, good. We've got plenty of food coming. And uh, it's not exactly a wedding reception, you know. We're not going to have dancing or an open bar or anything like that. Uh, but it, it is, uh, it's a chance for you to have lunch together and to celebrate them. So, and some of you have asked me, hey, what do they need um, if you want to bring a wedding gift or something? Uh, the simplest answer, of course, is, is cash in a card. <laughs> you know, that's, the, that's the easiest thing always. Uh, but Ryan and Allison, currently, uh, they are staying at the Family Promise Shelter, uh, which is located on the east side of Portage. And they are in the process. They just got their voucher. They're in the process this week of, of finding the apartment that they're going to be living. So they're about to be moving from there to an apartment, and they will need everything. So if you have some item that you're wanting to donate, a piece of furniture or something like that, or pots and pans or towels or something, a specific thing you want to donate, can you just let me know first so we don't have five different people, like, drop off a table or something? Um, what, what's that? And stuff for the baby is always welcome. Like they're, they're needing some newborn diapers right now. So, uh, so anyway, anything like that would be welcome. Uh, or you can do like we're going to do. And I'm just going to stick some cash in the card. And like, congratulations. And we'll have a little card box and stuff for them for next week. So uh, they wanted to invite you 
their church family who have been so welcoming to them uh, to their wedding. So that's, that's next Sunday in between the services uh, with a meal uh, to follow that second service. Um, I think that's it by way of announcements, unless there's anything else I should be talking about that I didn't say anything about. Okay, no one's looking at me and saying, hey, 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 you forgot to uh, say that. Um, she's not in here, and she's probably not hearing this right now, but today is my wife's birthday, so if you want to wish her happy birthday later, she's actually filling in. We, we don't have somebody in the uh, nursery and preschool room this morning. Oh, that's something I could say. If you want to work with kids, <laughs> we could use some, some extra hands in the nursery and preschool. Beth Adams has been holding down that fort for a long time, just solo. And uh, we would love to have some other people that are helping there. Like, so when Beth's out of town like she is today, if you'd like to help. We do have to do some screening ahead of time to make sure you know, that you're safe to be with kids. It's pretty basic stuff. But if you'd like to help with kids, that'd be great. And if you want to wish Stacy a happy <clears throat> Happy birthday, I won't say. Okay, um, I was about to say what year she was about to start, but she wouldn't like that. So, all right. I don't want to be in that much trouble. Um, all right, so uh, we are diving into the book of Romans today. Uh, and this is the first, in all the stuff we've read, as we made our way from Genesis back in January to uh, Revelation this December, this is the first time now that we've come across a letter. Much of the New Testament, the part written uh, after the time of Jesus, you know, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we spent time in Matthew's gospel. Uh, these four gospels that tell the story of Jesus' life, death, resurrection. We just spent a month in the book of Acts, um, talking about what the disciples did after that, what the Holy Spirit was doing in the world, after Jesus ascended into heaven, and, and the Spirit was poured out on all people. And now, the rest, pretty much the rest of the New Testament, until we get to the book of Revelation, uh, most of it is letters. Even the book of Hebrews that we're going to look at next month, I'm pretty sure. Okay, let me just put a, a pretty sure there. I'm pretty sure Hebrews is the book we're going to look at next month. I could change my mind. We'll see. Uh, that one is kind of iffy. Is it, a, is it a letter? Is it a sermon? Is it, what, what is the book of Hebrews? It's a little different. All the rest of them are very clearly letters, many from the Apostle Paul, some from Peter, some from John, one from James, um, one from Jude, and then we get to, to Revelation at the end. So, I did, like I said, I put the little uh, drawing that helps you map out what goes on in the book of Romans on the tables. Feel free to take that. Feel free to make a paper airplane, doodle on it, whatever you want. If you'd like that, it comes from the Bible Project. We're not going to watch that video today. There is a little five-minute video, though, that I want to watch that does a great job of talking about these letters and uses Romans as an example. So let's, let's watch that video. Near the end of the Bible are 21 letters written to communities of Jesus' followers throughout the ancient Roman Empire. Letters? Like... I'm reading someone's mail. Yeah. The letters are written by the apostles, that is, the people that Jesus appointed to spread the good news about his kingdom. And they wrote to Jesus' followers living in different cities around the Roman world. These letters were all written in a style called prose discourse. Now, if I'm reading a letter that wasn't written to me, then there's likely a lot of background information that's assumed but not mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And the letters in the Bible are no different. Okay, so let's talk about how to read the New Testament letters in historical context. So there are three levels of historical context to keep in mind when reading the New Testament letters. The first is how all the letters fit into the larger storyline of the scriptures. Right, so this story begins with God creating humanity as his partners to rule creation with him. But we choose to rule on our own terms, leading to violence, exile, and death. But God promises a guy named Abraham that life and blessing will spread to all nations through him and his descendants to renew God's vision for humanity. And Jesus said, 
He came to bring that promise to its fulfillment through his life, death, and resurrection. Right, and so the apostles saw themselves as heralds announcing the arrival of God's kingdom in Jesus. Like the apostle Paul, when he wrote to the house churches in Rome about the good news, he said his job was to summon people of all nations to give their allegiance to Jesus, the exalted king of the world. That's a bold thing to say to people living in the capital city of the Roman Empire whose allegiance is supposed to be to Caesar. Yeah, and that actually brings us to the second important context for understanding the New Testament letters, the culture of the Roman Empire in the first century. So Rome ruled all of these territories around the Mediterranean Sea. And they built their empire by conquering and enslaving their enemies and then imposing heavy taxes. The emperor and his small circle controlled all of the power and wealth, and they knew how to deal with people who threatened the social order. Most people lived without much money or stability. And Roman culture had a very clear hierarchy. Men from important families with money and education could move ahead in society. But women, slaves, children, and the poor were always at a disadvantage and treated as inferior. Yet, in a community of people who followed Jesus, Everyone was treated with love and equal dignity. Yeah, in Roman life, it was unheard of for people of high status to associate with people below them. But the apostles said that through Jesus, God had given the gift of his love to everyone without regard to their status. So in that context, these letters were countercultural and they broke down barriers between people. Exactly. And so that brings us to the last level of context, the situational context of each letter. You mean the specific issues in the church of a city that prompted the writing of the letter in the first place? Yeah, like Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome. It's tempting to read this letter and focus on all the important theology and then overlook why he wrote this letter. Why did he write it? Well, towards the end, he talks about how Jewish food laws and sacred days have become controversial between Jewish and non-Jewish followers of Jesus. Which was creating divisions in the church. And if you read carefully, you can see that some Christians with higher social status were treating Jewish followers of Jesus with contempt. And Jewish Christians were returning favor, condemning the non-Jews as second-rate followers of Jesus. Exactly. And so all of the ideas and theology in the first part of the letter were crafted to address those very problems. Paul acknowledges that the Roman Christians have big differences in culture, theology, and social status, but he wants them to realize that they are unified by their faith in Jesus, who is the real center of their church. Okay, great. But if that letter was written to someone else, then what should I get out of it? I mean, I don't live in ancient Rome. Well, in these letters, we see the apostles challenging and transforming every part of their first century culture and life with the good news about King Jesus. And by watching them, we gain wisdom about how that same good news can transform our culture as well. Now, there's one more helpful step to take in reading the New Testament letters, and that's learning how to follow the flow of thought from the letter's beginning all the way to its end. And that's what we'll look at next. Well, you'll look at it next if you watch the, that next video, but we're not going to do that. So, um, yeah, I love this idea. We're reading someone else's mail, and we're seeing that, man, if God worked this way among them, if, if the, the good news of Jesus changed their relationships in this way, what might that mean for us then here and now? 
maybe God work, can work the same way here in the things that we go through. Um, so today we're going to kind of do some of the foundational stuff. It, I, I like the way they said, like, there's all the theology part early on that then is like laying the groundwork for this interpersonal stuff at the end of the letter. So as you read Romans, uh, if, you, if you notice, most of the uh, kind of the practical application stuff is in the last few chapters. But so how do we live together? How do we treat each other? When we disagree about things, what do we do with that? Because uh, we're supposed to be one body, one family here in the church. How do we relate to each other? These, those whose faith is weak, those who are strong, and what does that mean? We're going to look at that later. Um, there's uh, one of the books that I uh, was using in my preparation for this month uh, is called Reading Romans Backwards because he thinks you got to start with that. Where was Paul headed with all this to make sense of why he's sharing all the things at the beginning? That's why I'm glad that video shared that part of why Paul was writing this letter was there were these tensions in the community. We just talked about that, was that last Sunday? Um, some of these tensions that exist, maybe it was the Sunday before, tensions that exist uh, here and now, the things that divide us, even Christians, and um, Paul was reaching out to these Christians in Rome saying, look, this shouldn't be dividing you. There's a way to live together, a way of love that will exemplify the beauty and the holiness of God if you can love each other in this way. And So if you want to just skip to the end, you can do that and read Romans like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 at the end. But we're going to start with some of the beginning stuff, including just the very first verses. Uh, Romans chapter 1 says, this letter is from Paul. A slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle, like I said, like a messenger sent out, and sent out to preach his good news, or other translations might say just the gospel. That's what gospel means. It's a good news. It's an announcement. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So he's connecting this good news with all that God has done before that we read about in Paul's day. The Holy Scriptures was what we call the Old Testament. You know, the, the five books of Moses we spent so much time in earlier this year, the, the writings of the prophets, uh, the Psalms. He's saying God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And the book of Romans, I found out, uh, Paul quotes the Old Testament as much in the book of Romans as he does in all his other letters in the New Testament. Like direct quotations where he says, as the Scriptures say, and then quotes something. He does that as much or more in Romans as he does, like if you add them all up, there's Romans, and there's everything else, and it's about, it's about the same. So this is kind of your clue that as you read, there's going to be a whole lot of Old Testament quotations, a whole lot of references back to what God has said. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. Again, the story of King David, the story of Israel. And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's when, when, it was, when it was shown, oh man, he is more than just this earthly descendant of David. He is the son of God. He is raised from death. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. This is like a foundational confession of the early church, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And he is our Lord. That Messiah is a reference back to all that it says about Jesus in the, in the Old Testament, and Lord kind of plays a dual purpose. In some ways, it's a reference back to, to God in the Old Testament. In some ways, it's a reference to, I mean, this is a title that Caesar used for himself. Um, there's one Bible scholar, theologian that I really like that, that basically says about Paul and what he says about Jesus being Lord. He says, if, if Jesus is Lord, then Caesar is not. You don't have like competing lords up there. It's like, you know, someone's at the top. Someone's in charge. 
And the, the thing that Christians uh, proclaimed and believed was Jesus, the Messiah, is Lord. Through Christ, he says, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere, that's the non-Jewish folks, right? Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. He says, this is, this is the plan. This is why we've been sent, to tell all these folks outside of the people of Israel what God has done for them. Paul is speaking as a, as a good Jew, right? As someone who is raised with the scriptures, someone who is raised knowing the stories and following all the laws. And he's saying, now I've been sent to tell the rest of the world. As we've talked about before, and one of the things that causes tension still at the time that Paul's writing this it's like, okay, what does that mean for them? Do they have to convert to Judaism? Do they have to be circumcised and eat kosher and follow all, those, all the, uh, the laws of the Old Testament? And, uh, and what the church decided in the book of Acts we read about and what Paul proclaims is that, no, Gentiles don't have to convert to, to Judaism, to trust in Jesus, to follow him as Lord. And this is who he's writing to. In fact, that's what he says in the next verse. And you are included among the Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. If you read all the other letters that Paul writes, this is kind of a standard pattern. This is how the letters start. You say who you are, you you have a few words, you know, about who you are and what you're doing, and then you extend to them like, hey, Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, this is how he starts just about all of his letters. This is actually a little bit longer. He like goes on a little bit at the beginning uh, before he continues into the rest. So just a few verses later, he says, I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. He's just saying, like, look, historically, God chose his people, the Jewish people. And through them, he spoke, through the prophets. Through them, he made these promises. And through, through the Jewish people, he brought his Messiah, his son, into the world. Now, it's also for all of you. So this is, he's saving everyone who believes, the Jews first, and also the Gentile. This good news, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. It's accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, and here, I think this is the first scripture quotation in Romans, as the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. He's quoting the prophet Habakkuk, and he quotes that same phrase repeatedly throughout this letter. He wants them to know we have life not because we've followed all the laws, we have life because we have trusted in him, because we've had expressed faith and exhibited faith in the way that we live. He uses in chapter 4 a little bit later, we don't have any of this in your notes, but he talks about Abraham, uh, the father of the Jewish nation. The people they look back to is, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I grew up singing that song. I don't know if any of you did. Uh, there's all these motions, and it's a lot of fun. It gets all the energy out, all the wheels for, for the kids, um, right up until like middle school. And then you can kind of quit thinking that's cool. But anyway, uh, it says Abraham's like our father, and he... He was made righteous, declared righteous by God, not because he'd followed all the laws, the laws hadn't been given yet, but because he trusted God. And so all of us who trust God, who have faith in God, and exhibit that by the way we live, we are all children of Abraham. It's through faith that a righteous person has life. 
And so he's trying to be very clear from the whole first few chapters. Uh, as you read it, you'll see he's, he kind of lays out the claim against all the Gentiles, saying, yeah, we know Gentiles are dirty, rotten sinners. And then by chapter 2 and chapter 3, he's saying, yeah, but you know what? Us Jews are no better. You know, we're a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners too. We've all been unfaithful. And maybe you've heard this verse uh, quoted before from Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That gets quoted a lot uh, by Christians. Um, if you read the rest of that sentence, that's just part of the sentence. If you read the rest of it, it says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. This is part of his saying, look, this is true for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're raised Jewish. doesn't matter if you're raised Gentile. doesn't matter if you were raised in a good you know, religious home where you were taught to do everything right and taught to love and taught to be good and all this kind of stuff. If you followed all the laws all your life or if you were raised heathen, you know, living some totally different way. This is no difference. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short of God's glory. And all of us are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That idea of being justified um, is basically like why, it's, it's almost like someone comes to you and asks like, hey, why are you here? Who let you in? Who invited you to this little shindig, right? I mean, uh, who told you you were welcome, that you could be a part of this church, this, this thing called the, the body of Christ? Who, who said you could be here? And you have to give your justification, and the Jewish people, their justification for being included in the people of God was like, well, God has made a covenant agreement with us. You know, I guess maybe privately they could prove their circumcision. I'm not sure how that all worked. But, you know, I've been circumcised. I follow the laws. You know, this is their justification for being part of the family of God. And Gentiles are over here like, uh, we don't have any of that. And so Paul is making clear to them, no, you are justified as well. You should be here. You belong here. You're justified freely by his grace the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You're trusting in him. And so you have the right to be here. You are declared righteous, just like anyone else is by God's grace. And he goes on in chapter 10, has a similar little moment, talking about how there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. But, uh, but first he says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. It's quoting Isaiah. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For, and he quotes Joel, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I know for most of us, this Jew-Gentile division thing really isn't a factor. You know, most of us aren't sitting here thinking like, well, am I allowed to be in church? I'm not Jewish. You know, that wasn't a question that any of us are asking, right? But we might occasionally wonder, like, do I belong here? Or do they belong here? You know, we can still find ourselves in similar kinds of, asking similar kinds of questions and wondering, what, what is it that makes it okay for someone to be a part of this group, a part of this gathering, part of this family, part of this church. And Paul in the book of Romans is, is laying out, look, it's God has called everyone. He is extending his grace to everyone through Jesus Christ. There is no difference. The same Lord is Lord of all, richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And that's just to go back to that hymn saying, look, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. It's like you're saying, it's like you're giving him your allegiance, is what this is saying. Jesus is Lord. It's like this declaration of allegiance, like a pledge of allegiance, basically. It's saying, if you publicly are saying, yes, I am following and trusting Jesus, and in your heart you're like, yes, I believe that God raised him from death. He's alive. I'm not saying someone's a Lord who's, who died and is still in a grave somewhere. It's like, no, I believe God raised him from death. He conquered sin and death. And, and I'm throwing my hat in with him. I'm saying yes to his invitation. And he says, that's it. You'll be saved. You're in. I do want to take just a minute to walk through Romans chapter 6. We're not going to touch on every verse because we're almost out of time. Uh, But with baptizing somebody later, I couldn't help. Romans chapter 6 talks about baptism and this understanding of like, well, what does it mean that if God is being good to us, if God is graciously forgiving us? uh, He said, well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Apparently some people were saying, well, this is what you teach, Paul. You're telling people, oh, they don't have to follow all those those laws that God gave to his people. So I guess people could just go, go sin and God will be gracious to you, and oh, that'll be even better. You know, keep sinning. The more you sin, the more chance God has to be gracious. And he's like, no, 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 no. No, of course not. That's not what we're doing. He says, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. This is one reason that some people uh, really enjoy baptism by immersion, by getting dunked under the water and being brought back up out of the water. Now, we're part of the Church of the Nazarene, a denomination that says, you know what, as long as you get wet, it's good. Uh, You can get water poured over your head. Babies can have water just sprinkled over their heads. Uh, My boys, you know, had water sprinkled over their heads when they were were infants. Um, I was dunked under the water when I was a teen, oh, pre-teen, uh, teenager. I wasn't yet a teenager. Um, and the, the full immersion baptism ties in really well with what Paul's saying here. There are other scriptures that tie in better with like the, the pouring out of God's spirit or being, having our hearts sprinkled, uh, our consciences sprinkled with pure water. Um, but he's saying, look, when, when we are baptized, whatever form that took, we are saying, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm uniting myself with you. Just like you came to us, and met us in the waters of baptism, Jesus. I'm meeting you here now. And, and it's almost like a little marriage, you know, which is why we also say you don't have to be baptized more than once. You know, if you're baptized as a baby, great, it counts. If you're baptized as an 11-year-old like I was, it counts. If you're baptized as an 89-year-old, it counts, all right? Baptism is a sign of being united with Christ, joining him in his death, dying to our old way of life. And I have no idea where I was in this. Where, where were we in the, in the scriptures here? Yeah, since we've been united with him in his death, we'll also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. He does not want us to live as slaves to sin. We don't want to continue down that path. It says, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we'll also live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he'll never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also, here's what we can do about this, you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. You should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin, alive to God through Christ Jesus. If you have struggled with this, 
If you have struggled to leave an old life behind, Paul is giving you imagery to, to wrap your head around. He's giving you a picture to imagine, to say, okay, look, I, I've been baptized. I joined Christ in his death. My old sinful self was crucified with Christ. I am dead to the power of sin. Sin doesn't have any power over me. He set me free. Why would I continue down this path? It, it might be tempting. It might feel impossible to, to walk away from, but you know what? No, the truth of it is. That might be what it seems like to me, but the truth of it is I have died to sin. I am alive to God. So he says in the next verse, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. You no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? All right, and then here he comes, takes a little different direction. He was talking about being dead to that and alive to God. Now he's saying, look, you're going to be a slave to whoever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living or holiness. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we've given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you become slaves to righteous living. Um, I'm going to skip down a little bit. He just talks about him using this illustration to help us understand. Uh, let's see what verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You're now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. Again, he's saying these things, in, these lead somewhere. Just like earlier, he said, this leads to death, being a slave to sin. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. And another verse you may have heard, because it sums up things so well. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what we celebrate each and every Sunday. Uh, we're going to celebrate it here in a moment in the sacrament of Holy Communion. We, we come as people who understand, God, I have earned death for myself. I mean, that's my sins. That's, that's, the, that's what I owe. That's what, that's what, I have, that's what I've, I've earned. Um, I have earned death for myself. But thank you, God, that Jesus Christ has taken my sin on himself. Thank you, God, that he has died death in my place and has broken the power of sin and death. Now I can be free. Now I can be free to, to receive this gift of life through Christ Jesus, Messiah Jesus, the anointed Jesus, our Lord. My allegiance is yours. I'm going to trust and follow you. You have set me free. Uh, I pray that that's true for you today. Uh, if today you're struggling with that, if today you're saying, you know what, I haven't ever kind of made that commitment, uh, today can be that day. Today can be the day that you say, you know what, I do. I need to leave sin behind. I need to turn to God and receive forgiveness and mercy and grace so that I can live a new life. If that's you, let today be that day, okay? Uh, I mean, if you want to, you can get baptized later. You probably don't have a change of clothes. You're going to be all wet going home. But, uh, but maybe, maybe today is the day that you just need to say yes to Jesus. We can baptize you another time, all right? Maybe later you'll come forward for communion, and as you receive the bread and dip it in the juice and eat it, you can do so as someone saying, thank you, God, for the love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Is that God calling? Is he, is he trying to make sure that you're paying attention? Is he trying to say, look, this is for you?
All right? Let's, let's go ahead and pray. Let's pray and then celebrate communion together. Thank you, God, for the love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Thank you oh, that, you, that you didn't wait till we had cleaned up our act, but you came and died for dirty, rotten sinners like us. God, every one of us in this room, if we're honest with ourselves, we can say, yep, I'm included in that dirty, rotten sinner club. I have disobeyed. I have not loved you with all that I am. I've not loved my neighbor as myself. For some of us, God, it was just, it's been right up to the moment we walked into this room, you know, that we've been struggling with this. And now here you are saying we can be free. Here you are saying we don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. Thank you, Jesus for giving your life for us. We celebrate that in this sacrament of communion, offering to you these gifts of bread and juice. We pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body, in his blood. Jesus, you held nothing back, but out of love for us gave your all so that we can be set free. Help us today to live in that freedom, to receive your grace and your mercy. We offer you ourselves admitting our need of your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace. We are all the same. We are all in need of your grace. Every last one of us have sinned and fallen short of your glory. Thank you, God, for being compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, being so quick to forgive when we turn toward you. We're turning to you today, God trusting in your love because you've shown it to us in Jesus. Help us to experience that love and grace and freedom today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hey, Dave said, hey, I got my guitar. I can play a little music. While we... Sure. So Dave's going to play a little music while we celebrate communion together. I'll be, uh, I'm going to come around the front. I'll have a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we, as, no, not as we sing. <laughs> as Dave plays, I'm so used to saying it, as we sing. Uh, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and return to your seats. Uh, if you'd rather, if you can't make your way forward, we've got on the tables the little cups. You can peel it back and get to bread, peel it back and get to juice. This is open to all of us, uh, Jew or Gentile, whatever your background, does not matter. Uh, his grace is available to all. Let's give thanks and let's celebrate. Before we go, let me uh, offer one last prayer. God, thank you again for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Please, today, would you fill us with the spirit of Christ so that as we leave this place, we go living in that freedom that you have purchased for us with your own blood, Jesus. Help us to live as free, uh, free to love you, free to love others, guided and empowered by your Holy Spirit. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.